Welcome to another edition of the Green Bridge Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Bridge. And we are here for another edition of the Green Bridge Podcast. AJ, how's it going, my brother? Everything is good, bro. Everything is good. Just um, trying to adjust, again, back to work life, but everything is good. No complaints. How about yourself? Well, Today is my first day back at work after a few days off. Um, wow. For those who have been um, following the primetime picking videos, you'll recognize that my background looked a little different last week. And that is because Thursday was the wife's birthday. So we were actually in Laramie, Wyoming at that time. Uh, it was it was a nice little getaway. Wyoming, interesting. Yeah, it was just about two hour drive away from here. Okay, so okay. not bad. Yeah, it was fun. And she enjoyed herself. She didn't want to come back home. So, and it wasn't a case she didn't it's want tough. to come back home, but it was sending me home. So, you know, everything was, everything was good for that. For the, We had a nice little vacation. <laughs> good to hear that, man. I'm glad y'all enjoyed it. Yeah, man, for sure. For sure. So now this week, for this week's episode, of course, you know, we, we always like to go off the rip. And off the rip, we're going with the Blitz for week seven. So, AJ, as we like to do, um, I'll give you first crack at this one. I'm going to run down the teams who and what happened this week. But I'll let you go with the biggest winner to kick us off. Um, Usually, right, I feel like looking through the, the game week, I could usually just pick out one for each category this week. I just had multiple for each. I'm not going to mention all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not detailed for all of them, but I, I even even for the biggest winner, right, to start off, <laughs> I feel like there were a few teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Titans, my Pats, the Browns, your Saints, but I'm not going to go with any of those. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually going to say the Bengals. Um, I, I, I really like what the Bengals did. They went into Baltimore to face the Ravens. Division rivals, mind you, who were mm-hmm. home. Mind you, this is this was the Ravens' third consecutive home game. These guys didn't have to travel. And um, we know that they won the last two, and we obviously remember what they did, you know, uh, in, in their previous game with the Chargers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they won the last two at home. They're actually unbeaten at home on the season. And Cincinnati were on the road. Well, they were home. And then on the road for their last two. So, yeah, they had to do the traveling, right? But to go into Baltimore and, and, and do that to the Ravens, especially after the week that they were coming off of, um, like statement wins for me always, always would get my nod for biggest winner. So I'm, I'm really going to say Cincinnati because that was a huge win um, against a division rival. And it could turn the tie later down. Like this team is actually looking legit. So you actually surprised me here with your biggest winner because when I was going through the list of teams and, you know, who did what this week, like, okay, let me do that quickly. So for week seven, we had the Browns beating the Broncos 17-14, the Titans beating the Chiefs, well, everyone just call it a beating, 27-3, the Packers over the Washington football team 24-10, the Bengals 41 to the Ravens 17, the Giants 25, Panthers 3, Falcons over Dolphins 30 to 28, the Patriots 54 to the Jets 13, the Raiders 33 to the Eagles 22, the Lions fell to the Rams 28-19, the Buccaneers beat the Bears 38-3, the Cardinals 31, the Texans 5, Colts 30, Fortinators 18, and the Saints over the Seahawks 13-10. So that was what happened this week. I actually had the Cincinnati Bengals as my team for the biggest winner as well. But so as, you know, I'm not going to repeat the stuff that you said. The other team that I was sure, I was really sure that you were going to say was the biggest winners this week were the Tennessee Titans. Because last week, you know, we said that the Titans and their much maligned defense, you know, they really stiffened up at a very integral moment and shut down Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. But when you can have the Kansas City Chiefs, who are known to have one of the most explosive offenses in football, come into your building, and Patrick Mahomes only gets 206 yards, one interception, one fumble, 
they only put up three points, you're able to, to hold the defending AFC champs to three points. That, yeah. that is incredible. That is ridiculous. And, I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about the issues that the Chiefs have, but mm-hmm. this is two weeks in a row that the uh, Tennessee Titans have taken down one of the contenders in the AFC. They put up a really good performance against the Bills last week, and it was complimentary football in all three phases. And they definitely took care of business against the Kansas City Chiefs. So they are my biggest winner this yeah. week. They were the first name because I, I, if you just like I just mentioned, like they were the first name on the list of the other teams I mentioned, right? But I guess for for me, I I still expected like. Not expected, I should say, but I'm just not surprised that they won, which is why I didn't give them my biggest. But I understand everything you said because the defense was immense and it was a it was a far short from what we've been seeing for the entire season. So I completely get you. I, it's, it's not, I, I know not, why I would have had them there. So yeah, I get it. It's a twenty it's a twenty-four point victory and not allowing the Chiefs to score a single touch. Yeah, yeah. Understood. Understood. Yeah, that is incredible. So for the biggest losers. Who do you have as your biggest losers for this week? Uh, this was another one. Uh, there were a few names I could pick, but you know what? You know what? One I decided to go with your home team, Gan. I'm going to say the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> Losing to Case Keenum, we in 2018 or something like that? Seriously? Listen, I you know I don't like to call pros terrible. I don't think Case Keenum is a terrible quarterback, but he's definitely not one of the 32 best in, uh, in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even playing with, with the best backfield tandem in the league. Like both of those guys, Nick Chubb and um, Kareem Hunt, were out. Now, granted, he did have a few um, of his wide out options. He had Landry and OBJ. Landry was back. But Ken, you know that that receiving duo combined for seven catches and 60 yards <laughs> in the game? The two of them combined. And I think they were, they were lead, the two leading um, receivers in the game for the Browns, right? Or second and third, first and third, something like that. Actually, Austin Hooper was one. They were second. And my point, my point is, this is the two of them, the main weapons in the entire game. Now we know that the Browns' defense is great, right? Mm-hmm. But the Broncos' defense has actually been really good this season. And to be fair, the Broncos' defense kept the team in the game for um in week seven. They were the ones that kept the team in the game. But it, at the end of the day, like with the kind of offensive weapons that you have and the fact that it's like, come on, like Teddy, like, I, I, that, that, that's no, that's inexcusable. I don't care how bad of a run you've been on. You can't lose the case Keenum with a, with, with a, a, a disjointed and, and be banged up a men missing offense. That's inexcusable. Biggest losers are the Denver Broncos for me. So, is that I think I needed to ask you who you had picked for at least his first two because I had the Broncos as well as my biggest loser. However, again, not to repeat what you just said, yeah, we need, we need to start checking in, yeah. <laughs> but um, I had just made mention of Dearness Johnson who had 22 carries for 146 yards and they did lose Von Miller in that game as well to an ankle injury. So those are the only two things that I wanted, that I would have added to what you had said. But for my second option for the biggest loser, and there were a, there were a few. I mean, all right, so Agreed. the Buccaneers smoked the Bears, but the fact that they beat the Bears is, is still the Bears and the Bears are not good. They're not good this season. They're not. Defensively, they're not. they're not that great. And offensively, they have been putrid. So the Bears, the Bears are the Bears. Then I I didn't necessarily want to come down too hard. But I mean, really and truly, if you're the New York Jets, if you're the Jets, and the New England Patriots have not been good offensively at all this season, both of you right now are fighting for the, well, there are three teams fighting for the seller in that division mm-hmm. because you, you can't really say that nobody, anybody's really fighting for second place. You're all fighting for last in that division right now. And you're the Jets and you surrender 54 points. 54 points? 
to the New England Patriots, a division rival alley, you need to have some pride. I mean, we know what's happening right now. Switching sports a second. In the English Premier League, where Manchester United, they just gave it the equivalent of 54 points to <laughs> Liverpool this weekend. And they Hurtful. Not for yeah, me. I love it, but... <laughs> and you see the level of angst that their fan base has because they, they surrendered five goals to their hated rivals. How do you as a Jets, who's supposed to be a a relatively decent outfit, who, who are trained, you know? You're supposed to be trained every week. How do you surrender 54 points to the New England Patriots and that offense? No, so... For not wanting to repeat, and we just agree on the biggest loser for this week, the Jets have to Maybe wear. Jets. The Jets have to wear that crown this week. That's fair. That's fair. Now, for the moral victory, mm-hmm. who do you give your moral victory to? Let me see if you're gonna pick my team again. <laughs> so my moral victory is kind of piggybacking off of exactly what you were just speaking. Well, my moral victory this week is my Pats. Because do I believe that this win is going to kickstart some sort of exemplary or even magical run that'll see us at least get into the postseason via wildcard spot? No, I don't think so. I still think we're too far gone. However, we needed this win. The team needed this win. A a, a division rivalry game against the the most annoying team in our division, the most (laughs) useless team in our division. You know, the, the other division, you remember the first divisional game we played was against Miami and week one, we lost that. The next week, we actually played the Jets and beat them. So we've, we've um, accomplished a season sweep against them, right? Love to see it. But I just, I, I like the fact, I like how we approach the game. It, the Putting up 54 points is one thing, right? But the fact that Bill left um, Mac Jones in long enough for him to have his best game as a professional athlete, Right, let him step on their necks and then just let yeah. Brian Hoyer get four um, garbage time snaps. Like I love it, I love it. I, I just love to see it. I think the team needed it—a a, a divisional rivalry matchup um, victory. Um, we're still three and four now, and we're both ahead to LA <laughs> to face arrested Chargers who are coming off of an embarrassing loss. So I, I, I expect a loss in that game. I'm, I'll be quite frank. But for this week. I like I like the the sort of effort that was put up by the team offensively and defensively and and just how we were able to approach the game and coming out with a win. I I think we needed it. So um, for me, it's just a more it's no more than a moral victory. Okay, understood. So this one we don't have the same team, and I am so glad for that <laughs> because this moral victory this week. I would say this was actually a little bit challenging to find because the teams that lost in a lot of cases they got blown out. So there's not so it's not as if you can say that they took a, you know there's something that they could build on in the yeah. loss. And then a lot of the teams that won are teams that you would have kind of expected to win. Mm-hmm. But I did find one for my moral victory this week. And that is the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm. So the Las Vegas it Raiders my mind. Yeah. I, 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 I... Let me hear this. Yeah, so you know the Las Vegas Raiders, they 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 have been embroiled in controversy, especially since John Gruden has been has been unceremoniously removed out of the league mm-hmm. for his bad behavior. However, when you look at what they have been able to do since John Gruden has vacated the premises, the interim head coach, Rich Bisakia, who was the special teams coach, he has this team performing at a level that is probably even better than Gruden ever had them at any point during his tenure. Let's look at Derek Kerr, for example. This week, Derek Kerr, he had two passes, two passes hit the ground. He had three that would be considered incompletions, but only two passes hit the grass. And the other one that didn't hit the grass was an interception. Derek Carr was 31 of 34 for 323 yeah. yards and two touchdowns. He had a pass completion percentage of 90.9%. That is as good as you can play a quarterback at any level, be it Pop Warner, college, <laughs> or the pros. Thanks. 
it is it is very impressive to see what the Raiders have been able to do so far, and know that Gruden is not there. It's a little difficult not to root for them because I mean, when you have a team that is playing this way, who are able to lift themselves out of all of the controversy that through no fault of their own they found themselves in. I mean, what else can you say? But kudos to them. Yeah, yeah, understand. That makes sense. It, it actually, you mentioning the readers as your moral victory, like it, it actually reminded me that while I was doing my write up, I, I just had a, a, a fleeting thought of John Gruden being my um, biggest loser this week, but I just didn't feel like speaking about him again. <laughs> no problem. I know it, it probably has to burn him up right now, seeing how good the team is playing as soon as oh, he yeah. is gone. Oh, yeah. All right, so then after we've we've covered the moral victory, who gets your least inspiring win for week seven? You ain't gonna like this in Obis. Your Saints. It doesn't surprise me. But go ahead. <laughs> no, no. Um I know we were we were speaking a bit last night, and I know you had some issues with the referee, I think, and, and I didn't get to see the entirety of the game. But I did get to catch enough, and especially closer to the end. And, and at the end of the day, a dub is a dub. So y'all, y'all pull off the win, so that's all that matters. But if we're just going on a per-week basis, so this is a, is a, this is a fluid question. This is, not saying that, this is not saying to judge the Saints or anything this week, but I, I, I just thought the game was generally scrappy, and it could have gone either way, barring, um, you know, some, barring one or two players. And like you said, there, there were some questionable calls by the rest, but generally y'all just didn't look into it. But at the end of the day, the win is a win. But I, if we talk about least inspiring, it, it's still a win at the end of, uh, in, in a few months, we're not going to look back and say, well, you know, they barely beat the Seahawks who didn't have Russell Wilson now. Nah, we'll still see it as a dub. But at this present moment, I'd have to say, like, I wasn't, it, that, that win essentially didn't show me who the Saints are. Okay. Now, as you may mention to the referee, it would be unbeknownst of me to allow that to pass before getting on my soapbox a second and blasting these refs. Because at points in time last night, it felt as if the refs were wearing blue and green underneath those black and white stripes. It was the I it was so frustrating to watch. Let's start with the 84-yard touchdown that DK Metcalf had. Now, I understand if there is hand fighting, you know, men pushing and grabbing and shoving and whatever. That's one thing. However, when you see Marshawn Lattimore pretty much face plant at the very end of the hand fight segment of that play. It's not as if to say like he tripped and he's, you know, he's skated out. There was a forcible tug on his jersey, which caused him to hit the ground. That is the definition of offensive pass interference. However, that apparently all of the refs, you know, they had all some sunglasses at that time, even though the sun was about to set in Seattle. And, you know, it was raining, so the sky was overcast, but they never saw it. <laughs> and Metcalf was able then, nobody's going to catch him. So he's able to run in 84 yards for the touchdown. Metcalf is doing the most all game long to Marshawn Lattimore. And, that much I saw. And the refs are clearly saying, because, you know, we always like to hear, the, they always used to say that it's not the action, but it's the reaction. Reaction, yeah. That they, that they always catch. However, yeah. if the refs are going over to both of these head coaches and saying, hey, listen, tell your guys to settle down, because we're seeing a lot of this extracurricular stuff that's happening. Mm -hmm. But at no point in time are you catching mm -hmm. Metcalf putting his hand in the face mask right up inside the grill of Marshawn Lattimore the entire first half, and you never call it? What is wrong with hands to the face? 15 yards going the opposite direction. But apparently they didn't see that either. 
So what I understand, what you would say that the Saints are your least inspiring win. Because I also have a team for my least inspiring win, which kind of falls under the same category. I will not be mm-hmm. disingenuous on this point. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the Saints were able to win that game in spite of the refs, in spite of the weather, in spite of the 12th man, and all of the other things, and on the basis, on the back of my strong defense, the, I, I can't say that they're my least inspiring win this week. However, the dependence on one particular skill position player is concerning. And that takes me now to my least inspiring win, which is the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. Because the Atlanta Falcons, they're supposed to have skill position players, right? They're supposed to have Cardell Patterson. They're supposed to have Calvin Ridley. They're supposed to have Kyle Pitts. They're supposed to have players at basically every position, you know, wide receiver, running back, tight end. But Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts was the only one that was really that really showed up yesterday. Kyle Pitts did pretty much everything that he could. He had, I think it was 160 yards, 120 yards. I don't remember the exact number right now for the Atlanta Falcons yesterday. And the Falcons still needed a two-minute drill to get themselves in position to beat the Dolphins, who mm-hmm. have not been good. The Dolphins have been in free fall ever since they beat your parts in the first week of the season. So yeah. when you take all that into consideration, it's like, okay, we understand where the, where the Saints are concerned that Michael Thomas is out. He's our stud wide receiver, but Calvin Ridley played, and he's supposed to be their stud wide receiver. The Saints don't have consistent production for the tight end position all season long, but you have Kyle Pitts, who clearly had a very good game. And then you're it supposed was 163 to... yards, actually, just checking. Right, yeah, so it was 163 yeah. yards. So it was right on my first, when my first mm-hmm. guess. And then you have Card- Cordell Patterson, who has been doing really good for you in the battlefield, but he clearly didn't get much done in this particular game. Mm-hmm. So the Falcons, I think their record is an 0-3 and 4. But I think this is the third win of the season. Yeah, and, like yeah, and they have not looked good in any game so far. Every game, they have basically falconed it away. And when they say <laughs> that they falconed it away, it goes right back to 28 to 3. You get up in the game, you have a lead, and then you can't protect the lead. And two minutes and 27 seconds left in the game, the Dolphins were up. So the Falcons, they can... Yeah, they continue to falcon away these games. And then when they come up against better teams, chances are they're not going to be able to put up the points they need to even be able to falcon it away because of the defense system. So that is it for the Blitz this week. So, AJ, at the time of this recording, today is the 26th of October. And we know that within another week, this will air on the 27th, but by the time we record next week, the NFL trade deadline will have passed on November 2nd. So one of the names that went quiet for a long while and now is back again is Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's trade market, apparently, especially when you see what's been happening in some of these teams and in some of these uh, games that we've had so far this season, his trade market apparently is heating up yet again. So, AJ, I'll let you go first on this one. When you look at this, this situation, there's no unfolding with Watson. What are your, your thoughts? Um, the fact that Miami are back in this sweepstakes, it just says a lot to me. That was, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Um, no, the thing is, I don't, I don't think that Tua is the problem at Miami, but he certainly has proven that he's not the solution, mm-hmm. right? So I can't really begrudge them for trying to, to move on and, and especially upgrading to Deshaun Watson. That being said, um, I mean, well, the same goes for Carolina. I mean, they, they tried this year with Sammy Spitz. He started off great, but clearly he ain't working out. Uh, it's just that's just proven to be an exercise in futility. Uh, so they believe that you know, with the weapons that they have, uh, like a better play playmaker on the center is is you know is is um could 
can make a, a great difference in their offense. The, 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 most, the most alarming thing, for want of a better word to me, or uh, intriguing, is that if we're going according to these reports and these teams are genuinely interested, I don't know if it is that they know something that hasn't been released that we don't yet know, something that hasn't been leaked, but the fact that they're so desperate to move off of their QBs and are willing to trade for a QB who they don't even, who are not even sure can play at this point, it, 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 it just really, I'm just really intrigued as to how it works. Like they're actually willing to give up certain for uncertain. So like I said, unless they know something that we don't know at this point, it, it, it means that they're really desperate to move on from their current situations. And the thing is, Carolina will owe, um, because of, of the new CBA agreement, Carolina will owe Sam Darnold money because, uh, because of his fifth-year option, right? So whether they move on from him or not, he has to get money from them. And they're still willing to move him on, clearly, apparently, allegedly, right? Mm -hmm. Still willing to move him on and pay him in order to get Deshaun Watson. I, I, and we don't, like I said, we don't know if Deshaun is going to even play this year. We don't know what his personal situation is that will allow him to be a quarterback in the National Football League. But these teams, Miami and Carolina, are that desperate to move on and, and theoretically upgrade our quarterback. I'm, 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 I'm a bit at, at, at a loss. So I, I'll wait to see what happens next week. Yeah, is, it, is really, it is really surprising to see just how much of a trade market he actually has at this point. So let's just remind everybody who has the, the situation with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson currently is facing 22 civil counts of um, sexual misconduct with various massage therapists. Uh, this sexual misconduct goes from um, just minor um, touching or getting them to touch him all the way up to much more egregious se se sexual acts, sorry. And then he's still also, there are 10 criminal counts that he's also facing in this entire situation. So I don't, I honestly don't know what these teams are doing. I don't know what they're thinking. No, we did say this many times during the summer, in our last season of this podcast, where if Deshaun Watson did not have these situations, pretty much maybe 30 teams now would be lining up cap in hand to get Deshaun Watson to come to their franchise. It's not that is just not the case. And there's certain franchises that are not def they're definitely not going to get involved until this matter has been resolved. Now, we have said on multiple occasions that the Houston franchise seems to be the epitome of dysfunction. And this situation and their handling of this situation is difficult to really put a proper read on it. Because firstly, you'd like to say that it is some sort of morally good, I guess, that they have decided that they're not going to put Deshaun Watson out there while all of this thing, all of these things are hanging over his head. However, you know what most franchises in the NFL would have done? They would have either cut Deshaun Watson for any time all of this was happening, or they would have forced the NFL to sit him down. Because you remember when Tom Brady, not Tom Brady. Tom Brady's never found himself in trouble. When um, not this level, not this level. But <laughs> Antonio Brown, when Antonio Brown had his situation crop up, Antonio Brown played for the Pats when the investigation was ongoing. The commissioner had to call and say, "Hey, listen, sit that man down while this is being figured out." And then he got cut. The situation got dealt with, and he popped up no with Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay. But when Deshaun Watson's situation is happening. And this is this is not a way receiver, and this is not somebody who's been known to be a diva. But you you just you you're doing is like they're doing Goodell and the NFL a favor by sitting their quarterback mm -hmm. and screwing over their team and their franchise and their city and everything. So I don't know. I just it, it feels like it is baffling. 
we we've been at this we've been talking about this you now for almost an entire calendar year and we're still at the same point which is mm-hmm. we don't know so mm-hmm. we have to wait and see if a team is going to call for the level of compensation that the Texans want mm-hmm. otherwise Deshaun Watson he all he's going to do is basically just kick his feet up in Houston and get his just draw his salary yeah. Not take a hit all year long, which will you know do him well going forward in his career. But no, as we're talking about trades and the trade deadline, usually we, what we find both in the NFL and the NBA, but more so in the NBA than in the NFL, is that teams usually fall within two categories. Well, three categories. There are those who don't need to do anything, so they just basically stand back for the rest of the season but then there are the buyers and then there are the sellers there are those who are looking for help to make their team better and then there are those who are looking at what they can probably sacrifice on their team to position themselves to be in a you know a good draft spot and do what needs to be done that well this team or this year this season may be shot they could be in a better spot for 2022. So, AJ, when you're looking at buyers and the sellers at the deadline, who do you have first as your buyers? Who do you expect to be trying to make some moves this um, trade deadline? Uh, well, first of all, the Chiefs. I, I don't see how the Chiefs do not make a move before this trade deadline. I, it would be inexcusable and, and just don't write as we see in the Caribbean, doltish to not do so. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would make no sense not to, uh, they, they just need to get something done. I even, I even heard a suggestion from, um, not me personally, but heard it from one of the more acclaimed uh, professionals in the, in the sports media field, that they need to add more offensive weapons. And I'm like, what? I, I think I can't, and, and, I can't remember who the name was that was mentioned. It was a, it was a fairly prominent enough name. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not the person that mentioned it, the, the name that they were mentioning the Chiefs should go after. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was, yeah, some offensive, uh, offensive playmaker. I can't recall. But either way, I'm like, nah. I don't see how that solves the issues. I just, uh, it, was a t- it was some tight end. Either way, the Chiefs have end. defensive. Yeah, it was a tight end. I'm, I'm saying that they should play with more two tight end sets. I don't, I don't see how that solves the issue. Mm-hmm. Can I don't. The Chiefs need to get something done defensively. Um, I would say first thing and foremost, I um I don't know if they're going to try to to try to rebuff this offensive line, but something needs to happen. Is Patrick Mahomes is leading the league, the league, sorry, in interception, isn't he? At mm-hmm. this point, Patrick Mahomes, who would have thunk it? It's true. Yeah. So um, they need to get something done. I. I still believe at this point the Pittsburgh Steelers will do something or need to do something, especially with their O-line as well. Uh, the, the thing is, they're not yet out of, out of this season, which is why I do think that they will try to make some moves. Yes, they are at the bottom of the North right now, but they're literally like, this, this division is so close, they're literally only a game behind the Bengals. Bengals are 5-2. Um, they're, they're three, well, I guess two games because they had their bye week, but yeah, they're three and three. They only, you know, just one loss behind it. The, the fact of the matter is uh, uh, a postseason spot is not out of the realm of possibility for them. So I think that they need to make some moves. They need to fortify that O-line because they're clearly going to stick with Ben. They have no better options on the bench. Mason Rudolph is not the answer. And clearly they don't believe enough in Haskins. To, I'm pretty sure I remember at, at one of the last games, <laughs> Haskins was in civilian clothing. I don't even remember <laughs> the guy being dressed. I don't even remember the guy being dressed. Kenny. He wasn't even ready for action. So that puts an end to the argument, not argument, but discussion we were having um, the other day about who is the, the number two and where Haskins sits in this team. So they, it, it just means at, at this point, they're going to stick with Big Ben. You know that Mike Tomlin is not going to trade for a quarterback now. So if, if you're not going to get rid of Ben, at least protect him. Ben is like 39 and... He he's he's even more fragile than Tom Brady. Um, yeah, and then we just mentioned the Panthers and Dolphins, but I, I think I think the, the Dolphins could fall into both categories. So I'll let you go before I 
get into that actually. Okay. Well, I had um, one, well, I did have the Chiefs as one of my buyers as well. Um, but there were three other teams that I had mentioned here as buyers. Not necessarily that I anticipate that they are going to do something necessarily, mm -hmm. but at least might the first one. But that they should, this should. is who I believe mm -hmm. should be getting involved at the trade deadline. No, that the first one is my Saints. We need help on the outside. We need some more quality on in our wide receiver room. Yes, Michael Thomas is coming back, but Trevon Smith, you saw it last night. He and Jameis got into it on the sidelines during the during the game. Marquez mm -hmm. Callaway, he's no coming back from injury. He now has to get himself back at the speed. Deontay Harris was out. My Saints wide receiver room is very, very light. It's very, very thin. And we don't necessarily have playmakers at the wide receiver position. So we need, we really need to get somebody in there so that Treco and Smith, he can become the slot receiver. Michael Thomas, he will operate on the outside on one side. And then whoever we can get then to take that second spot on the outside. I would just feel much more comfortable if we have more playmakers with our wide receivers. Then the Green Bay Packers, I anticipate that they're going to be a bit active, only from the perspective that every single defensive player that had a name that has been released from their team, the Packers have picked them up. So the Packers clearly understand that their defense still needs work. And because they need work, then... I would suspect that they will look to see what they can move, who they can probably try to pick up as assistance for their defense. And then, I, I mean, I would not mind if they don't, to be honest, but I have to be objective at this point. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers need help in the secondary. They have yeah, lost they pretty much every cornerback that they've had or they've picked up. They do need to get some help out there. I just hope it doesn't come in time for Sunday because they're <laughs> up against my Saints in the Dome and we will probably need every advantage that we can get. So that is the buyers, but no, the sellers. And then I don't know about you, AJ, but my sellers list is longer than my buyers list. So who do you believe then should be actively looking to move some pieces at this trade deadline? So I had... um. I just mentioned the Panthers and Dolphins again, right? Because we just um, spoke about them in the previous segment. And I, I, I wasn't sure exactly which side it would fall on. But then you kind of, as you were mentioning it, I guess it, it had me thinking a bit more. The fact that, you know, like teams aligning themselves for the future. And it could be that that is what these organizations are trying to do with trading for Deshaun Watson. Because they both are just in, in, in a bottomless pit of, 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 of just actual garbage right now. Like they, they, they're not doing anything. It doesn't seem like, like there's any sort of redemption around the corner for them this season. Carolina started off well, but it's just not working out. And to be honest, I, I'm, I'm really struggling to, to understand what their objectives were initially even. I guess they started, I mean, because you're bringing Donald, I guess at that point you were looking at Donald to be, to, to you know, give him a chance to see if he could be like your, your, your franchise, right? And it hasn't work out, worked out. So I guess they're, they're planning to move on from him. And, and so I, I would have to think that based on what we just discussed, the move to get Deshaun Watson can't be for this season, right? It would have to be like trying to align themselves like to, to go... Um, to be ready for next season. More so the Panthers, I, I, I think the Dolphins have fallen by the wayside, but it, it, they're just so far gone, I don't know if they're going to try to resurrect this season. As I, there's no one that's telling me, that could tell me that they weren't trying this season. The fact that they brought in Jalen Waddle for Tua, like you didn't bring in Jalen Waddle for no other, no other reason but the fact that you're trying to reunite him with his college quarterback, because every team doing it now, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I know that was the case, but they're too far gone now. I don't see them being able to, to resurrect this season. So um, I, I, at first, I was thinking they may have been biased because they may have wanted to resurrect the season. But I guess as, as we've gone on a bit more, I feel like they, they, they're sellers. I, I, you know what? Since you have more, 
I'll just let you, I'll let you spearhead it. Go ahead. You, you, you go ahead with this list. All right. So I can just go really quick mm -hmm. because like I said, I got quite a few names here. Mm -hmm. So I did have Miami as a seller, but they were a seller for Tua, especially if they could get Deshaun. Somebody else that I believe that they should try to move on is Devontae Parker because he has been overtaken by Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller in that um, pecking order in the death chart. Mm -hmm. And he's so far for this season, he only has 17 catches for 242 yards and one touchdown. Can't stay on the field. Can't yep. stay on the field. So I would, if I was him, I would be looking for a way out of there. Um, I have the Jets, the New York Jets. As a seller, they should be trying to get some picks for their rebuild. And one person that I had earmarked here to move would be Corey Davis. Now, Corey Davis was one of their big free agent acquisitions this season. He's on a three-year, $37.5 million contract. That's the only reason why we can't get him in New Orleans, because we won't have the money to pay him. However, um, Corey Davis would be somebody that, if I were them, I'd be looking to see if we could get him moved because he, he could probably land with like a third-round pick for this coming draft, if not this one, the season to come. Next up, I had the Detroit Lions. mentioned them. Yeah, I have the okay. Detroit Lions mm -hmm. next up. And the Detroit Lions, this, you may not like this one very much, but I believe that they should be trying to move TJ Hawkinson. They would get some decent compensation for him, as well as Marvin Jones Jr., who's been playing pretty well for them as a wide receiver. So I would have the two of them on the move if I was in Detroit. Now, of course, I don't really have many defensive players on this list because defensive players are a little harder to identify necessarily as who, you know, might be good trade pieces, who somebody might want to get rid of because... I mean, each team may have their own ideas and their own weaknesses that they may want to show up and see this particular defensive player as the answer. And it might not necessarily be somebody that we might have picked. So I, I try to leave them alone. However, for the San Francisco 49ers, I had Fred Warner, the linebacker. He is one that they could probably let to move on. Like I said, Green Bay is they're trying to pick up every defensive player that they can. So... That's some place that they could look to move him over. And then Brandon Ayuk, who has disappeared in the San Francisco oh, offense baby. this season. So he's oh, another baby. one that I would, if I were them, I would probably look to, to move on. I have the Seattle Seahawks as a seller for this um, trade window. And one of the key names, and this is mainly so much, well, more for picks as well as for cap space. But Bobby Wagner... Even though he has been the mainstay and the stalwart in that defense, and especially in the middle lane market position, I'd like to move him. I'd like to see what I could get for him. Because Wagner is getting older. Yes, he's still playing at a very high level. However, he is on a pretty big contract. And if you can free yes. up that space, then you can easily, you know, use that money to probably shore up your offensive line that is always getting Russell Wilson killed, even though he seems to be usually the Iron Man and not getting knocked out of games, but now he's down. So maybe you should try to do a little bit more to help protect him. I also, the last thing I had here was Houston. The Texans and Texans are a dumpster fire, as we have mentioned quite often. Deshaun Watson is expected to be on the move, so that's clear sell. Brandon Cooks would be somebody that they should also try to move on from, even though he has been productive. He's been their most productive wide receiver, even though they've not really had any quality quarterback play for the entire season. Maybe able you can get maybe you can get something for him at this point. And then I the last name I just just threw here was Philip Lindsay. He's also kind of disappeared on their depth chart in the running back room. So maybe, I mean, a back of running back is not going to fetch very much these days, but I would also see what could be gained for him. And that's my list of sellers. To kind of add on to the last point you were making, I, if, if, if they get rid of Deshaun and you mentioned Lindsay, I don't, see, I don't even see why they would keep Mark Ingram and David Johnson around. They could really clear out that running back room and, and, and um, make it younger, essentially. Younger and, and, and fitter. Um, to go back to your Hawkinson, why do you think I would not want to see TJ Hawkinson in a better offense? 
I wouldn't like that. No, I would love to see the guy. Like, it, I, I don't think that he's the reason, like, he's part of the problem with that offense. They, the offense is just not good. They, they don't move the ball through the air um, consistently enough. The, the running game has been shot this season, essentially. DeAndre Swift is another name that has essentially disappeared. Um, after his, I guess, breakout rookie year last year, I would love to see Hawk in a different offense. And um, the other one was this... The Seahawks, you know, you and I have kind of differed on the Seahawks a bit. No, I, I, I wouldn't like vehemently disagree with you. I'm just more on the other end. I, I still feel like they are more likely to try to hold on to um, this, the, the notion of winning right now because Pete Carroll is almost at the end and because it's, it's, it's Russell Wilson's prime years. And he, I know that he's coming off an injury. I don't feel like they can wait much longer. So Russell, Russell off an injury, um, and then Pete Carroll, yeah, I still feel like is is win now as opposed to draft picks. I get what you mean about Bobby Wagner, and the thing is, he, you know what, Bobby Wagner has actually been one of in in isolation. He has been one of the best defensive players in the league. I think he's he either, he's in the top five in like total tackles in the league. You would not believe that that in 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 this offense, in this defense, sorry, he's been mm. one of the best players in the league. Um, so I get what you mean. Like it, it may be able to 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 give them some some cap space to play with. Otherwise, but yeah, I, I still don't see them like looking down the line at this moment. But a nice list though. Generally, there's one thing that you mentioned there that um I will kind of again piggyback on in in the next segment. It was funny that you mentioned that. Okay, interesting. So the next thing that we had here was was a trade that was um consummated recently. I think this was either. Um, on Monday or on Tuesday, it was announced that Jeff Joe Flacco was traded from the Eagles back to the Jets. As you remember, he started with the Jets, and I think he was traded to the Eagles. I know he's being traded back. I think I can't remember for sure, but he, he was, was on a one year. He was on yes. a one year, so he got he got released. At, okay. the, at the end of the year, yeah, and then Eagles picked him up, yeah. Right, but he's now headed back to the Meadowlands. He's been traded back to the Jets for a conditional six-round pick. And, of course, this is as a result of Zach Wilson. He picked up a PCL injury. There's not one of the usual ligament, well, not the most regular heard yeah. about ligament in the knee, but he has a knee injury, and he's expected to be out for two to four weeks. So, AJ, Flacco to the Jets, your thoughts. God, the New York Jets. <laughs> this makes absolutely no sense to me, you know. Uh, it just kind of epitomizes what a sporting cesspool this organization is. So they drafted Zach Wilson, and they did not, as 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 you see most teams doing, have a veteran presence behind him to sort of like help him along his learning curve, right? Mm-hmm. They had um, Joe Flacco was on their roster last season. Like I, I, as as I just mentioned, he was he only signed a one year. So after that, they didn't renew him and whatnot, knowing that they were going to draft a quarterback. Now I I feel like this would be more understandable if you know you were going to bring in another veteran, even if it's um, what's that guy's name that was like forty years old and he was like a, a backup on the team. I I can't remember his name. He was never a starter in the league, but he was on the Jets roster a couple of seasons ago as backup. Is it? Is it? Was it McCarron? No. Is one, one of them others? But why do you look for that? So, in any case, so in, instead they released Flacco, drafted Zach Wilson, and you know who his backup was? Um, they promoted this guy Mike White to backup. You ever heard of Mike White, Ken? Never. Okay. I, okay. I cool. think I think the name you were looking for just now was Josh McCown. Josh McCown, there that is it. That is it. That is it. Then they didn't even they didn't even like have a little Josh McCown in the back. You know, Josh is is a bona fide backup, right? <laughs> but they didn't even have that. Mike White was who they promoted from, I guess, third string, whatever the heck he was before, to being their backup. No, <laughs> this man hadn't taken a snap in the NFL before last weekend against us after Zach Wilson got that injury, you know. And he's been in the league uh, a few seasons now, actually. He has been in the league a few seasons. Hadn't taken a snap. No, and, and mind you, this is not even his first year with the Jets. He's been with the Jets from last season. Now, these, 
the Jets either did not assess this guy enough or they're just terrible at succession planning, which, which we know to be the case somewhat, right? Mm-hmm. Because here we are. This is one game later, like a few snaps later, comes in because Zach Wilson gets injured. And after this one game, they decided to, 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 to trade back for Joe Flacco, who they released because Mike White clearly is not good enough. And the reason they trade him back for Flacco is because, and this is where I said it ties into what you mentioned before, they just gave Corey Davis this big contract and they don't want to waste that talent on offense. So clearly they don't think that, that um, well, their, fu- their future, their franchise is now injured for a little bit. They don't think that Mike White is, is the answer. So they're trying to get someone who they think can actually just come in and, and Flacco was there last year. So he probably knows enough about, you know, about the playbook that he, it, it would be a smooth enough transition, even though it's a new coach and everything, but still. It, 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 it just reeks of terrible planning to me. How is it you're going one minute, you release all the veterans in, in your QB room to, to have you, and now the, 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 the little man injured and you've gone back to, to bring in a veteran because you, you just gave Corey Davis his contract, you kept Jamison Crowder. Um, who's the other one they just brought in? That was Brashad Perryman? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and they drafted some other offensive weapons. So... And I don't know. The Jets, it's, it's really the Jets, though. <laughs> I, like, part of me is not surprised, but I, I don't know. I can't really make head or tail of this. It just makes no sense to me. It really doesn't. The, the, I, I don't see a clear plan. Well, I mean, as you said, there is really no clear plan in place in, in the Jets because if you don't have... You know, they say that the one of the best or the most underrated positions in the NFL is the backup quarterback. Because the backup quarterback is always just one snap away from being one in the game. Yeah. And now they're scrambling. No, I mean, no, there is no longer that mental presence in Philly. They have a six-round pick, a conditional six-round pick to compensate them for no longer having mm-hmm. the backup there for their quarterback. So I'm not I'm like as you said it's the Jets and I'm not going to belabor the point. You you have um very eloquently stated what is happening there. So we'll just move on. Um and handle a couple a couple bouquets of flowers. First to Alvin Kamara, my guy, my guy AK41. He is the fastest running back. Well sorry the fastest player in the NFL, to have eclipsed 3,000 passing yards and 3,000, sorry, not passing yards, receiving yards yards. and 3,000 rushing yards in the NFL. And he, as we had made mention of before, he was our entire offense in that game last, on Monday night, with Mm -hmm. the Seattle Seahawks and where he was not really able to run very freely he had over 100 yards easily in passing. And he was responsible for a lone touchdown, which I don't know if you saw it, but Jameis, he dropped the snap, picked it up, threw it to Kamara, and Kamara ran it in for a touchdown. Oh, that's what I did not even see it. <laughs> yes. I did not even see it. it, it because Kamara, he, he made one of those quick out routes coming out of the mm-hmm. backfield. Mm-hmm. So when James was in the shotgun, so when the ball was, my bad. Yeah. when it was snapped to him, it fell to the ground. He just picked it up, threw it to Kamara. Kamara just ran past the linebacker. I didn't was, see that in the replay. Yeah, I, I was in for the touchdown. <laughs> nice. So yeah, yeah, that was that was great to see. No, I'll let you, I'll let you give your flowers to your guy here now for the second one. Oh, you talking about Tom? Yeah. You just didn't want to say it, huh? <laughs> no, well, first of all, first of all, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a very big fan of Kamara too. So I just want to say that Kamara is an incredible athlete. You know that because every year you and I are in discussions about who, who can get to Kamara first in, in all of our NFL traps. So I, 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 really, I really like the guy. And as you said, uh, 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 it was either last week or the week before that, it's not, it's not like Kamara is even a scat back. Like this man can take tackles. Mm-hmm. He can ride tackles. You know what I mean? So I, I, I should just love to see the guy play the game. I, I'm a really big fan of Kamara. Um, 
I mean, on to my guy, the goat. I mean, this was inevitable, was it? <laughs> Tom, Tom Brady clearly intends to play football until his bones just dry up and he evaporates into thin air. So it, I don't feel like it's much of a surprise that he got here. The bigger story is what happened after Mike Evans gave away the ball to me. <laughs> I mean, that's the bigger story. Yo, did you hear everything that the fan got for returning the ball? Yes, I, I I have it all written down here, but I'll give you the chance. Go ahead. Okay, cool. Now, I just, uh, I'll, I'll let you speak about that so we don't have to do it twice. But I mean, yeah, you know, that's my guy. He's the reason why I'm so much a fan of this sport. Mind you, it was through Madden, but it was playing with him as a Patriot on Madden that I'm a Patriot fan and, and will always be a fan of his as long as he's in the game. I just congrats to Tom. I mean, He's, he's in a system and situation now that uh, allows him to get there. I, I would love to see what number he ends at, but just congrats to the good. Yeah, Tom Brady is the first quarterback to eclipse 600 passing touchdowns. And as you may mention, um, Mike Evans did not recognize the significance of this moment <laughs> and gave the ball away, as he likes to do. I mean, it must be really nice to sit in the end zone when your bucks are playing because chances are if Mike Evans scores a touchdown, you don't even have to be a kid to get the ball. But anyhow, mm-hmm. so he gives the ball away and they negotiate with the fan to give it back. And this fan, is it, I, I would like to be him. I, I, I don't like Bro. the Bucks and I don't like Tom Brady that much. However, if you get two signed Brady jerseys, a helmet, a signed Evans jersey, Game worn cleats from Evans, plus a Bitcoin from Brady himself, which at current value is $62,000 worth. And then the guy gets season tickets for the rest of this season, all of next season, and a $1,000 credit at the team store. Mm-hmm. Mercy, yes. Agris. <laughs> that is a lot. <laughs> Bro. For returning, just for returning, and and it it's, it's not as it's not like it was even baseball where he did the work and caught the ball. He really was lucky enough to be handed the ball by Mike Evans. Mike Evans, <laughs> Mike Evans does does a reverse Lambo. He just jumps out there and does like here, take and it, hands it to him. He gets handed the ball. Next thing you know, they want the ball back, and he is blessed with all of this. Blessed all of this. that he got the greatest return on investment of any oh, fan. Yeah ever oh, yeah. going oh, to yeah. a football game. I, I don't know how anyone tops that. I don't know either. All right, so AJ, before we, before we wrap this up, you know, we always like to look ahead to the games that are coming up this week in week eight. So, of course, this week, of course, there are boys. There are only two teams on boys, so the boys are now really getting in the way as they did last week. The Baltimore Ravens and the Las Vegas Raiders, they're the ones who are out this week. So, AJ, when you look at these matchups, who are your tastiest matchups for week eight? Well, first of all, the uh, the Thursday night matchup. I like this is this this is one that will probably make me leave work early and come home and set up and watch this game because this is an enticing matchup on Thursday night. One win between these two teams. The Packers are at the Cardinals, right? The the this game is is. It's not even just about their records at this point. It's the fact that this game could actually turn out to be a tiebreaker come the end of the regular season. All right? And we have two teams on a complete um, polar opposites of... with um, That was a pun. I didn't even realize what I did there. <laughs> with regards to the weather, Arizona in the desert, and then um, you have... Lambo. Lambo. Yeah, in the, the tundra, right? Yeah. No, we know for a fact, like, teams don't like to go and have to play in Lambeau in January. So the Cardinals need to, to, to pull off this win. Because, like I said, at the end of the season, come to the end of the season, if the records are tied, their division is tougher, so they're probably going to have, and as the season wears on and guys get a, a little more worn down and injuries happen, they're in a tougher division and they may have tougher matchups to come. The Packers are in a, they're going to breeze through this division. Mm-hmm. There's no one else to give them any competition in their division, so it is very likely that these teams could end the season on similar records. And, like, and, and if this game comes on to be the tiebreaker and, and the Cardinals have to go, like, they'd very much prefer, obviously, the Packers to have to come to them than to have to go to Lambo. So 
I'm actually really excited at the, the stakes in this game. Um, yeah, Thursday night game, this is, this is going to be action. Mm -hmm. um, on Sunday, actually very much looking forward to the Steelers at the Browns. Uh, that revenge game. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I really don't know if, if, if it will have a different outcome, though. <laughs> um, that was, that was, that was one, of the, one of the very few games that I got wrong uh, last season when we were doing our picks for the playoffs, right? Mm -hmm. I actually thought the Steelers, come playoff time, we're going to, we're going to be able to see it out. Um, that didn't happen. The Browns are still injured, but the, the Steelers, as we were mentioning before, just haven't been convincing. So um, this game is in Cleveland. Uh, the early early window. Um, yeah, kind of looking forward to see what happens. And 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 odd, but this this may surprise you, right? But you know what? I feel like this could be the way the Lions get their first win. You know, I honestly feel it. I don't mm. trust the Eagles. I don't trust the Eagles. I feel like this this game is like what we would call in football a relegation six pointer. I honestly <laughs> feel like honestly feel like the Lions could get that win this week. I'm not going to tell you that I'll sit down and watch this game from first to the end of the fourth. But mm -hmm. I definitely will be checking on the score because I honestly feel like the Lions can win this game at home. Nice. So you you made mention of one thing, well, two games really that I had my pick here as my tastiest matchups, of course. As you said, the Packers and the Cards. No, the only thing that I'll add to what you said with regards to that game is that we know Devontae Adams, he is currently on the COVID list. And then Alan Lazard, he is also on the COVID list. The Packers could be down two of their star wide receivers heading into this game. It's going to make things even more difficult when the Cardinals' defense is playing absolutely like so. And then Kyle Murray and their offense is playing fantastic on the other side. So that that is that game. I had also the AFC South showdown between the Titans and the Colts. I have that picked mm. as one of the one of my games because the Titans right now are playing some of the best football that they have played all season long. Their defense has definitely been looking great. The Colts, they just beat the San Francisco 49ers in, in a monsoon. So they'll be feeling pretty good to go back home and sit the dome where they don't have to worry about the rain falling on the outside. Mm. And they now have to deal with the team that is the hottest team in their division. And if they want to make any noise in this division, they need to win this game. Um, with the Steelers and the Browns, the Steelers are coming off the bye and they need a good performance. But the Browns have shown that even without having their main running backs, they can still run the ball. The Steelers have not shown a propensity, propensity to be able to stop the run. Therefore, that is also going to be a game I'm going to pay some attention to. Of course, in the late window, is the box at the Saints. Enough said. And then the last one they had was the Giants and the Chiefs. I think that's the Sunday night football game. The Chiefs can't possibly drop this game. They have to do better. That's a Monday night game. Actually. That's a Monday night game. So yeah. they, have, they have to do better. They have to show better than they have shown so far for the entire season. And... They're coming up against a wounded Giants team. However, the wounded Giants team still has a defense that plays pretty decent defense. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. So, AJ, now that brings us to our final thought for this week. And you mentioned that with your final thought, you were taking it outside of football. You're taking it somewhere else. Once again, once yes. again. So go ahead, sir. Over here. So for my last final thought, I, I highlighted the WNBA finals that was taking place because I thought it would be, you know, interesting to watch a matchup of two heavyweights in that league going at it. And Candace Parker ended up um, getting her team to victory. So first of all, congratulations to the Chicago Sky and Candace Parker, legend in the, in the making, uh, in the making, legend. But this week, it's um, another sport, but one of my teams. So... Let me, let me take you back on a little trip. Fade in. It's the mid-90s. This is when I began watching Sports Center every morning while I waited for my parents to get ready to drop me off to school and then head to work. I got tired of watching cartoons. So it was in my viewership of Sports Center that I saw a man by the name of Chipper Jones and his team, the Atlanta Braves. At that time, the mid-90s, like I said, they were occupying the majority of baseball segments on TV because they had just won the World Series coming out of the player, um, the strike, player strike, sorry. Uh, 
So what from well, I should say from what I remember, they were dominating TV. And being the young, impressionable mind that I was, I developed an affinity to this franchise, right? Now, I've never been an avid fan of baseball, but over the years, I've being just a, a general sports enthusiast, I've always followed the Braves through thick and thin and just always kept up with what was happening with the team, right? Now, <laughs> some of the people from my WhatsApp chats, I don't know if you will remember, but I know a few will remember me venting last year at the displeasure at our collapse um, in the N NLCS when we allowed the Dodgers to come from 3-1 down to win that um, pennant 4-3. And then ultimately, they went on to win the World Series. This season, saw my team in that, in that similar situation. I was hoping that Lightning would not strike twice in the same place. And, and you know what? It didn't. We had the metal and fortitude to see it through. And, and that was despite everything the team went through. In uh, that being like a serious injury to Ronald Acuna, who I'm pretty sure you, uh, you at least know is one of the better players on the team. Better young players, best young players in the team, in the league as well, actually. And at that time, they were below 500. And admittedly, even I, as a fan, I thought that this would be like a throwaway year. But a few shrewd roster moves later, including, it, including bringing in Eddie Rosario, who just equaled the postseason record for hits in a series with 14. And now here we are. For the first time in my adult life, my Atlanta Braves have won the pennant and are in the fall classic. First time since 1999. When I was 11 years old, 12, sorry. So I'm just, at this point, I'm just sending all the positive energy to my guys. At the time of recording, game one is actually in progress, but I'm not going to get into score at this point because this will obviously be viewed on Thursday morning. So I'm just going to leave that and, you know, probably give an update as to what, where we are next on our, in our next recording. But I'm just very positive and sending all the love and hope to my guys and this team. I don't even care that we're the underdogs. I'm actually very confident in my team. I am. Battle Atlanta. Okay. Okay, sir. Well, I, I will not rain on your parade <laughs> because they say that my, my um, favorite baseball team is, the, is likened to the old empire of Star Wars. That is the, the pinstripe boys from the Bronx. So good luck to you and your squad in this in this pennant, sir. I hope that all you goes should, You well. should be supporting us. I know you can't be supporting the Astros. <sighs> I've, no, I've never supported the Astros one day in my life. I don't... There are not many teams in baseball that I, I don't like. Um, but when they had that whole tipping signals and and that kind of thing, the Astros, they, they fell into my bad books right next to, well, not right next to because there's no team in baseball I hate more than the Boston Red Sox. But anyhow, understood, understood. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this week's Green Bridge episode. And of course, we will see you guys next Wednesday as there will definitely be much more things happening in the league, and that will also be right after the passing of the trade deadline. So, as always, like, subscribe, tell a friend. That is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And we will see you next time.